Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mentor My Mix podcast. I am so honored and excited to have a dear old friend of mine, Caitlin McGaw, sitting to my right and next to her, Tommy Shepard of Alphabet Rockers. What's up, you guys? Welcome. Thank What's you so much. Excited uh, to be back and hanging with you. All yeah, right. Thanks for having us. So excited to have you guys both here. You guys are fresh off of a Grammy run here. You're four-time nominees now, and now you've just won a Grammy, huh? Oh, Lordy. <laughs> oh. It's almost just been one month, exactly, uh-huh. that our names were the ones that were set on the stage. It's yeah. very special. Mentor My Mix is made possible by Pyramind Music and Audio Production Institute. Evolve your sound with expert trainers and up-to-date courses designed to fit the needs of emerging artists and producers. Go to Pyramind.com for details about the San Francisco campus and online programs. So I want to start out just listening to one of your tracks to kind of set the tone a little bit for folks so they can get a vibe for what you guys are all about. And then we're going to get right into it. All right. This one's called Slide. Yeah. Yes, it is. Anything you want to tell us about it as it's coming on here? Sure. I just want to give a shout out to Adam Thies and Candice uh, Davis for contributing to the track and Genesee for producing it. Mm -hmm. We could talk about it a little more after. Okay. Yeah, I love the production. It's really nice. As if it were so possible to radically transform the world Believing in it just enough every day to keep going Doing it all the time, doing it down the line Leading of hearts and minds where the ebbs flowing Away from the folks that can put you in a bind Like they ain't never seen your kind But they know, you know They just want to try us all on for size And it's no surprise when they set us off to the side Keep us two-stepping before the electric slide We stay warm cause don't nobody like cold fries Let me complace the setting, it's supper time No leftovers for later This food for thought got me thinking I should whip them up a plate of some envy greens mixed in a beer salad A privilege shake sprinkle would need to mass manage That's you rapping on that, isn't that? Is that you right there? Yeah. Yes, sir. Smooth. Smooth. which can get cut short at any time. We beat clocks, eliminate, ignore signs. You have to know that you're visible in my eye. And I don't really care how the visible individuals get in. You are a miracle in my eye. Because we are not invincible, still strong principles in our material. I tell you why. So this is Slide off the Movement, Grammy Award winning album by Alphabet Rockers. That sounds good, doesn't it? it does. <laughs> you can say it again if you want. Oh, so this is Slide <laughs> off the Movement. Yeah. Grammy winners. That's right. So tell us a little bit about this track. And, and also, I want to know more about the idea behind the movement, because you guys are creating a movement. It's a movement for change and really positively impacting youth across America, across all genders, all genres. And it's, it's a powerful message. So tell us a little bit about the idea behind this movement. Let's start there. Sure. The idea behind the movement 
which would lead to the idea of this song, uh, really stemmed from us asking ourselves a lot of questions. Like we literally were asking ourselves, you know, what are we thinking about right now? What is jamming us up? And the questions all led to oppression and to questions about oppressions and systems of oppression mm -hmm. and times when we feel oppressed and feel when we're powerless or mm -hmm. actually feel when we're powerful. Mm -hmm. And so these questions led us into different forms of writing. Um, and as we wrote more songs and more songs, of course, we were thinking, yeah, it was the movement. I think the movement title came last because we saw what was happening. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a great quote from our choreographer who says, like, uh, always like a family that moves together makes moves together. <laughs> I um, like that. That's and that good. was always seeping in our heads at the moment. And uh -huh. we realized that when there is a movement going on, you're not trying to start your own movement. You're actually trying to join the join movement. the movement. Yeah. You know, yeah. Man. Yeah, and coming out of oppression, and obviously oppression is, I think, a huge foundation of what creates trauma in our culture. Totally. And I don't know if you know of a guy named Gabor Mate and his recent documentary called The Wisdom of Trauma. Is that something you might have seen? Not yet. Not yet. I highly recommend it. I think you guys will really appreciate his message because it's so in line with what you guys are talking about here in terms of how we can heal our culture. Um, because before we can heal ourselves as a people, we have to heal the trauma that has been, you know, infused throughout the, you know, the centuries really into humanity. And that's just passed on generationally. And that's what uh, somebody like Gabor Mate talks about, you mm. know, that generational trauma. And, yeah, we definitely feel that. And, yeah. you know, we specifically make music for children, with children. And we also know it's actually for all of us because yeah. that healing is also for who you were as a child who your parents were as children and the childhood that they lose when living in an oppressive society because mm. you grow up a lot faster mm -hmm. in very painful ways. And so Tommy and I have been listening to young people and very much so in the Bay Area and around the country when we tour about what is the world they want to see? What words do they need to hear to feel a sense of belonging and inclusion? And during the pandemic, we you know, did virtual sessions with folks and we would talk about biases. We would talk about care. How can we care for ourselves today when we know what's happening around us? And I think all of these experiences and all of the songs on the album are just threaded with all of the young people's energy mm -hmm. of just like true love and hope. And I know sometimes those words end up feeling like generic, but if you really get into it, like what love is about, what it is to radically believe it's possible mm. that is what hope is it's not just like oh i hope i get you know a nice like a sweet candy like our young people are much deeper than that like mm -hmm. no i really believe that i deserve this and i will be here when it is whole that's what we're here to do yeah as evidenced by the lyrics and the performances that you see in your in all your videos and we're going to get to see one of those new newer videos here i think coming up a little bit but talk about you know you talk about the writing process how do you engage the youth in writing with you and how does that collaborative process work i would say that it stems from what they're thinking about mm -hmm. uh at most once again questions you know, so uh, like these song titles and these songs, are they coming out of conversations that you have that stimulate these ideas? Yes, absolutely. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So they wrote the song Strength in Numbers, which mm -hmm. is the third song on the album. Mm -hmm. 
And they were really exploring what makes them powerful and when they actually feel powerful. Um, and that's a hard thing to think about. Even as adults, they interviewed all of their families and some of their friends and asked them, when do you feel powerful? When do you feel powerless? And they just gathered all this information on when people feel this way. Yeah. And they generated their own thoughts and feelings on how they felt powerless and powerful. And then they wrote a universal song that kind of says, hey, like, this is really what it's about. It's just strength in numbers really means so many things. It's multiple things. It's Strength in numbers, like when we're all together, yes, we find unity. But strength in numbers is also like you're not alone in the way that you're feeling. Strength in numbers is also saying that if you feel like this is not going to work for you, someone else feels like this ain't going to work for them mm -hmm. and y'all need to get together. Mm -hmm. So that's just letting people know that like either go find them or look around and see that the numbers are actually strengthening you. I think one of the interesting things about our songwriting process that may be a little bit different from other writers is that we we are writing for community and connecting ourselves in it. So when we ask questions, it can't be so isolated into your own personal narrative as much as it is like when I put these words together, like who needs to hear this and why? Mm. So the young people in our group, Maya Fleming, Kali de Jesus, and Tommy Shepard III, you know, as they were 11, 12, when we started this album process. And, and that, that makes the core crew, that's right? That's the core crew, that's, yeah. yeah uh -huh. And we were trying to share with them just this rich and deep work we've been doing, which is actually in a very nerdy setting called participant action research. Mm -hmm. So we were- uh, Yeah, we were fellows at the Othering and Belonging Institute, but we've been doing this for years. We were residence artists at Zoo Labs in Oakland, mm -hmm. learning about business modeling, understanding your audience, and also part of that change the way we wrote music. Mm. So when we write music that makes change, it's also because we know people want to change things and they need the tools sonically, lyrically to reflect what they know can work. So our young people had to like kind of rock with us in this way to say, okay, it's not just what I'm feeling today. And they're so capable. This is a shared experience. So when you listen to Tommy's song, The Change Up, his questions were really about bias. And like his deep question he asked was like, why do some people's mistakes follow them and other people get to get forgiven? And really looking at the prison industrial complex. And he wrote this at 13 years old. And um, that's pretty conscious. Yeah. And right? it's also that's like, amazing. it affects everybody. It's and not, he, yeah, and he sees the connection. One person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he sees the connection of him making a mistake in the third grade that will follow him to not get into the college that he wanted to. Right. You know based what I mean? Based on skin color. Yeah. And based on what they call a big mistake mm -hmm. that you couldn't have rehabilitated from or learned from or right. anything. Mm -hmm. And he equated that one situation to the prison system, which is like, aren't you supposed to be rehabilitated when you come out and- Come out of come out of prison? Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. But no one treats you that mm -hmm. way. Right. Like you're actually like- you have made a mark. up for your mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have a mark. Why does it got to follow you mm -hmm. is the real question. And mm -hmm. so like mm -hmm. our job as, as alphabet rockers and like what we want to hold for culture in general is like an invitation to, can we imagine the world that Tommy's talking about where mistakes don't follow you? And as a parent, I have two young kids, three and six, it has affected the way I parent. That's culture change because it makes me think, why do I need to be right about this? What if their mistake they made is just a mistake I didn't know. 
or I couldn't control my body. Okay, mm-hmm. let's settle and let's not make it be something bigger that and it then, has to be. Yeah. Yes. And I'm not talking about like passive white parenting <clears throat> where it's like, you know, letting it go, but it's acknowledging that was a mistake. Other people make them too. Mm-hmm. You're loved. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that mm-hmm. I I really believe that the music we're creating is changing who we are and those that that rock with us. <laughs> loving them for yeah. loving them for just who they are, not what they do, maybe. Yeah. That, and also just like just letting mm-hmm. um even at the youngest ages, like narrating what we know to be true. So it's like, how do you unpack racial bias with children? You mm-hmm. talk about it, mm-hmm. you notice it, mm-hmm. you admit fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's something that we've done for years as facilitators, as we've written the last four Grammy nominated albums and Grammy winning is asking families like, hey, like, how, do you need help with this? Like learning how to do oh. this big stuff? Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, something bad happened. I was racist and my kids saw it. And we say like, you can talk to them about it. You can say, I messed up. And what should we do to be accountable for our mistakes? Mm, yeah. So that's, it's all in the music and in our practice. Yeah. Then that's a voice of change right there, right? That's what we're talking about here. And the empathy. I noticed that you use yeah, that word a lot, definitely. right? empathetic and and connecting to others other emotions and being in tune with that i want to talk about one other thing at this moment just you mentioned the othering and belonging institute and that you guys were both fellows just talk about that for a moment what does that what does that mean they're what, pretty amazing if yeah. you go check it out yeah. um, it started by john powell at uc berkeley uh-huh. and they just are doing very deep research and activation work around mm-hmm. huge concepts in like shifting financial models in the United States, I would say. Like the last newsletter featured Alphabet Rockers win, but also talked about reparations and like Mm -hmm. how can reparations be at work in California? Mm -hmm. What are the practices that need to happen to Mm -hmm. really do that? So what we know is a lot of people are tuned out from the truth of like, let's say the 2020, how much truth came out for folks that are like, oh, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Everything is available, right? At this time in 2023, the activators around some pretty big elements of change are not all in the streets anymore. Some people are just handling their own home life. But like, here's a resource, Othering and Belonging Institute, Mm -hmm. that's giving you instructions and like, you could activate it in your jobs, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's an opportunity that, you know, I just feel like they're really dope researchers and we are lucky Mm -hmm. to be artists and they believe that arts can make change. So. And did, yeah. did you seek them out or did they find you? We applied for it. We applied for, for the it. fellowship. Mm-hmm. But then we realized how many um, connections we had to the place. Mm-hmm. Once we were accepted, we realized we had mm-hmm. like real allies and real friends that mm-hmm. actually, and artists that we've worked with in the past that have been involved in, we knew it was a match made in activation. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because... Even being introduced to participatory action research, we were kind of already doing that. Mm, like we mm-hmm. we had learned, we were thinking about it from a business perspective of customers. Yeah, And we were thinking about how do you get to know your customers? Well, you gotta just ask them what they want yeah. and we gotta get them what they want. And we are like, oh, okay. So this is actually like this exact same thing. It was just a little deeper and a little bit um, more social even. Yeah, like write the song and play it for the community. And play it for the, yeah. You're writing it with, listen to And listen feedback. to what they're saying or doing, like not even just what they're saying, but watch them when they're doing, like when they're listening to it, <laughs> see how it's affecting them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that type of uh, opportunity made us aware that we are deep listeners. Like we're already, it was easy for us to just hush 
and listen mm -hmm. even deeper than we had already been deep listening. Mm -hmm. So we know that we're deep listeners and we know that that is, that's our gold, that's our diamond, that's our platinum, that's our, you know what I mean? Like that's our resource is listening. And listening to the kids on top of that, right? Is that a, everyone? Uh, listening, yeah. period. Yeah. Listening, period. Yeah. <laughs> listening, what's yeah. being said, what's, that's the empathy is like uh -huh. understanding the energy when people are showing up in a space, what's holding them back. We, yeah. we sense it all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel, you know, in a way, very fortunate to have known you, Caitlin, for as long as I have. We first got to know each other here through the San Francisco chapter of the Recording Academy. Yes. Uh, through the Board of Governors there, right? And I don't know, how many years ago was that now? Do you remember? I think it was 2008 mm -hmm. when we met, yeah. Yeah, so over 10 years ago now, yes. almost 15 or more. Yeah. I, don't, I have to count on my fingers, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> That's what I do with months I mean, and years. <laughs> but you know, the, the point I'm, I'm driving at here is you are just a tremendous networker, collaborator, and you have pulled together so many phenomenal resources to create this movement. Yeah. And you know, for people, this podcast is about careers in the industry. Yeah. And it's really amazing to me about how people find their path to a career. Right. Did you think it would be this when you started that? When you started out on this? Was, was this your vision? Yeah. Well, the odd part is like when Alphabet Rockers was just like an itty bitty seed of an idea, mm -hmm. I wanted to write social justice songs because as a child, I used to sit with, you know, my headphones on and listen to Free to Be You and Me, ah, which is all these course. stories uh -huh. and songs about uh -huh. gender binary and uh -huh. like trying to break up the binary. And I think if they redid that today, it would be even like more radical and fun. But I loved it. I loved the characters. I loved going somewhere where I could be free. So when I started thinking about children's music, I was like, oh, I'm going to bring all of my activism into children's music and so on. And when I started, I didn't know anything about children. So in a way, so it's like, actually don't assume that you know what you're doing. So this is a career tip. It's like, you might know where you're going, but at least take baby steps in the field mm -hmm. of like, you know, what is the genre? What, who's at, at play here? What songs are getting played and why? What does the audience want? And so for at the time I thought, okay, well, let's write for the classroom and like, through hip hop make music that like just makes learning super fun. And we were, Tommy and I were into it, we were performing it, but at the same time, it's like there's a part of us that was like having a little bit more authenticity off stage, even though we had a great run. I was probably like, what, six years of touring, yeah. everything. We built up the whole brand, had multiple re albums released, tours, everything. Starting what, what, that started what year? 2000, 2007. When yeah, did you guys first meet? How did, how did this come together? I think we might have met in 2003 or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something well, like that. We both moved to the Bay at the same time. And truth be told, I actually saw um, Tommy and his incredible crew in a show that like changed my life. You ever been to one of those shows where like, who are these people? This is the coolest, <laughs> raddest thing ever. So the crew's uh, felonious. They're still together. It was hip hop theater mm -hmm. and a band. So I was a fan mm -hmm. and i was also like there's nobody else that's doing stuff like this so that it when you talk about networking and career thinking is like the things that activate you that you notice that you're like ooh, what's you want to learn about i mean nobody else is doing hip-hop theater this is 2000 right and then i actually we had a felonious play at a recording academy event mm -hmm. it was a grammy viewing party and mm -hmm. i was like all right now you know i'm cool <laughs> so do you want to rock with me and he was like of course let's do it and like had no idea that, you know, the next thing would be me like setting up videos and recording our dance moves. <laughs> it was really fun though. We just always had like a brother and sister relationship, you know, just like, great, that's fun, let's do it. 
you know? That's but awesome. I think like yeah. when we got really serious about like what we wanted to say in writing about racial justice, it was, um, I mean, just such a deep practice and it changed our business model. It changed our songwriting lyrics. It deepened the way we held our collective who all were on the same page with us. Nobody was like, don't write about racial justice. Everyone's like, this is gonna be challenging because you don't wanna isolate anyone. Because right. at the time, the only message in children's music was like, everybody be nice and everyone's the same. And we wanted to be like, we're not the same. So right. we and had I, to I'll, do a lot of work on that. I also feel like because we were thinking, you know, if we're gonna write about this stuff, then we better make the music authentic too. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, like we uh -huh. like at first the music we were making was hip hop. But it was I think it was like we were in a lens of like hip hop that we think thought would be palatable. For children, yeah. Yeah. And that was a very at first type of thing. Yeah. Uh but we both let the aesthetics and the authenticity of hip hop like drive through. And we realized actually, nah, I mean, when I was a kid, the things that I was like gravitated towards musically and lyrically were things that were very complex for me and things that like made me think and things that made me rewind it again and ask and see what they said yeah. and all of that. So we were like, you know what? We don't have to be what children's music, what we thought like, children's yeah. music should sound like. We should be authentic hip hop music right. and really like govern ourselves aesthetically through this hip hop culture, this freedom culture. And that just is more than just the music. It's so many elements. Oh yeah. And with everything that kids are exposed to today, there's no doubt that they accelerate their growth process and their awareness has accelerated vastly more than say when we were coming up, you know, as kids. So for them, I think that authenticity is key to being able to communicate a message to them that they'll be open to receiving, mm -hmm. right? Without the authenticity, they're not going to take you seriously. And at that point, how did the kids come into, into being with you guys? How did they get to be alphabet rockers? <laughs> That's what I want to know. You know, I'm it's, sure other kids out there are like, hey, I want to be an alphabet rocker. Well, let me just tell you this. Go into our YouTube channel, which mm -hmm. I'm sure you'll drop in at some point, and go back in time to like one of our first videos, and you'll see Shape Rap. And I'll pass the mic to you, Tommy, because this is like the beginning. Sure. When I started Alphabet Rockers with Caitlin, I think my wife was pregnant with my son. Mm. and both of us were like, we don't even got kids, but I mean, let's go in for the babies. You know, uh, we were kind of into that already. And my son, like sometimes he just had to be with me at places. You know, he came home from preschool one day and was like, what's the beep? What's the N word? You know, and you're like, oh, damn, like you heard it already. Mm -hmm. And so we're, you know, we're listening to what he's hearing at school. He winded up, I guess, at three years old being in that video of ours, the shape rap. And also, uh, I think he was six when he did Dynamite. But he's just always kind of been around. And then he's had a friend that he's known since kindergarten, Kali, who is an alphabet rocker now. But every talent show, like their first talent show, they were like, we want to do Run DMC. I was like, yeah, baby. They're like their second talent show. They were like, we want to write our own stuff. And uh -huh. I was like, tight. And then uh -huh. their third and fourth, they were like, we want to sing this Alphabet Rocker song. And we want to do this. And like, yeah. And so they wrote a song when, I think it was in, when they were in the fourth or the fifth grade. And it was a song that was like 
called On the Corner and it was all about them like talking about how they wanted to make racism fall apart and how they were really happy or uh, proud of their skin color and their heritage and like all of that stuff. And that winded up being on Rise, Shine, Woke, the album. And got Grammy nominated. That got Grammy nominated. And so it really has been like hearing his experiences and like wondering what's going on with him in the schoolyard and hearing what's going on with him and Kali when they're in class and also in the schoolyard. And understanding that they're being racially profiled sometimes. They are being just bullied in different ways. Mm -hmm. Like kindness goes, it spans. And so we just started really listening to what they were talking about and started writing towards that. And they started writing, wanted to write more. As they got older, they were like, oh, yeah, okay, we want to get down with this. So the more and more that they saw that we were actually writing for them, the more they wanted to get involved. And that's kind of what made us go, okay, let's write with y'all. You know? Yeah. And the other artist is named Maya. She's actually their classmate at um, Oakland School of the Arts. And we met her through our choreographer, Samara Atkins, who's also a songwriter on the album. And the fun thing about working with Maya is that she came in as a dancer for our Grammy-nominated tour, just got nominated as soon as she joined the group. And, um, and before we knew it, we're like, do you want to sing with us? Gorgeous voice. Turns out to be a great actor. She stars sorry, in our gonna, music videos. I'm going to interrupt you here. <laughs> that Caitlin is notorious for overhearing someone say they oh, yeah. want to sing. <laughs> and then next thing you know, Caitlin's like, well, here's a mic. We got an extra mic for two. Oh, yeah. Plug it in and gives it to you. Uh-huh. It happened with our choreographer. Yeah. And then our choreographer's like, I got this mini me. Yeah. And she was like, yo, my mini me is a dancer. We're like, okay. And then one day... Maya, the mini me, was like, I want to sing too. And Kate was like, okay. Okay. Gave her a microphone. And Uh all of a sudden, she's singing with us and dancing with us. And Caitlin just has this knack for like knowing. She's not just handing microphones to anybody. She just, she has this thing. She believes. And she's like, okay, I believe. So uh-huh. this is for you. Yeah. You know, which is it's dope. been pretty fun. Uh-huh. And, um, that's, that's, that's called talent radar. I have a radar. <laughs> and also, I think it's like, exactly. when we think about growing your career, uh-huh. like you uh-huh. could keep, we could have kept the whole thing just us, right? Uh-huh. I mean, some people will say, oh, it's you guys. As in just, just the two of you. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of talent between us, but what about what happens when you invite someone else? Like even the production level, like. We've gotten to work with the first producer was, you know, the platinum producer, Bosco Conte, who's here in Oakland still. And he was like, here's some music y'all can compose to. And we're like, oh, my gosh, thank you. So it's like you expand your team. And yes, you may get less songwriting royalties or you pay more people out, but you gain so much more because it's information for you about how it can move through the world. Mm. And when you only keep things so tight and it's just you and you're one guy that, you know, because it's usually men that keep these jobs not it's not always uh, women that are given that side i'm just saying <laughs> equity but i'll yep. just say what kind you know, of jobs if, you can say if you, no i'm saying like the engineer you know you just uh-huh. it's just me and my drummer that's it that's all we need yeah. we're good we can do all the things uh-huh. but what happens when you just say why don't we bring a designer in to like freshen up our brand and suddenly that designer is also like hey i have this cool song idea and you actually just listen and then suddenly you expand your sound and then suddenly you expand your audience. You know more about yourself. It's like, there's a lot of like letting go of your ego, I think in this, oh my. this career path. You just hit on a big one right there. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's huge. 
because once you can understand that or wrap your head around that, you invite in possibility, don't you? Yeah, yeah. and failure. You can say, yeah, we didn't do that well before. Right. And yeah. that reflection is, we don't ever look at it like that. We're we're happy to make mistakes. We're like, gosh, we really missed it there, but we yeah. learned. Yeah. That's I mean, both of us, we have a very open culture of like, hey, I messed up there. Sorry about that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's... That's what we want people to feel is that it's not so rigid all the time. I remember when we were at this incubator called Zoo Labs around 2015, 16. In Oakland, California. In Oakland. Uh-huh. And changed our lives, changed our business lives, changed our careers. Everything. Um, but I remember sitting in there in the workshops and they kept telling us, they were like, you know what? When someone's giving you feedback, shut up. <laughs> Don't say anything. Uh-huh. Listen to what they're saying. Like, hear it. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were like, you have to build that thick skin of just hearing what the feedback is. And they said it very early in the beginning, and it happened so many times. Yes, because like, right you're like, I just wrote this song in 11. They're like, yeah, it's yeah. not really that good. Yeah, like I remember I like had made a beat for some stuff. And this guy walked in. He was like, oh, "Man, who made this beat?" <laughs> and I was all, "Yeah, we're all next song." <laughs> yeah, I was all, I, "Me, uh-huh. like, was all, I gotta take this. Like, I gotta learn how to take this." Yeah, man, uh-huh. it was a real thing. I would have had it any other way. I needed it that way, and I needed it to like. I need to hear that question. Like, who made this awful mess? Yeah, and then the question for us was like, they were really challenging us. Like, what is your what is your magic? What is the core of yeah. who you are? This is relevant for career because some things that we do, anyone could do. Mm-hmm. So, what are the things that are very unique to this collaboration right here in the studio today mm-hmm. that can't be replaced by someone else? And then, for the most part. We try, if there's something that we don't need to do ourselves, we want to say like, let's give this person an opportunity to do it with us or help us or teach us how to do it better, whatever it is. And I think the other thing that Zoo Labs did for us is really think about team. They'd always ask who's on your team. And if your answer is me, myself, and I, that's not a team. No, right. it's not. And so how do people know how to work with you, right? Mm. So these are just, they're hard do, questions. And how do people like, even know they can work with you at that yes, point? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that willingness to play and collaborate and even if it doesn't work out, just like that openness, I think is a really critical part of career building. Well, and a willingness to fail, right? Because if you're not willing to fail, then you're never going to be able to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, nobody's perfect. We all fall down. And the key to success ultimately is, Picking yourself back up again and being able to do that together just reinforces your own dynamic sensibility of who you can possibly be at the end. And it yeah. just keeps making you guys better, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, and I think yeah. we're always saying, what's the risk we need to take? Yeah. Because if we, if we stay yeah. in a comfort zone, then I think there's like an energy and a sonic energy that may happen too, where <laughs> it's like, that's just, you're repeating something versus yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. when something's a gust and you're all, I'm uncomfortable or Ooh, like it's sonic, it's energy. I mean, you know, I know you're a spiritual person. That's why I'm also like, I'm giving you your yerba mate right here. But (laughs) it's like, it's not, they're not separate. Like your logical mind is not separate from your energetic offering. So it's like, we know that we're like, when we started this album, like I told my husband, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what we're doing right now. This is really hard. It's not working. And he was like, oh, you always get like this when you all start a project. This uh-huh. is great. And I was like, and it was wonderful because I was like, we do because we had just finished this super impactful album, The Love, with like 
incredible collaborations, like 50 artists. It was very complex. It was challenging gender mm. roles. It was everything. And here we were starting over. And um, that risk I will always take. And we both know this, like be uncomfortable, stay uncomfortable. Cause that's when you know you're growing. Yeah, I mean, we've been yeah. sitting, we were out there in the world asking parents and teachers, professors, administrators to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of moments where we had to like practice what we preached. Pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. And that's how you grow. Yeah, that's and how then you that grow. level, right. that level of uncomfortability rises and thank goodness and that level of risk, we thought it was here, and now it's actually here. Mm. You know what I mean? So now, like, we're like, nah, we didn't take that big of a risk. We only took that big of a risk. So, like, what's the next risk level? And as long as that risk level is up there and not in the same place, then I think we're going to be all right. Yeah, it's interesting, too. I'm just thinking about this now, is that as we take risks, we create in the wake of this growth opportunity and the spotlight grows. Mm -hmm. So every time we've been, well, we will talk about the Grammys a little bit more because I do think the nominations have like really solidified our brand amongst our peers and colleagues mm -hmm. and people who don't know anything about music for children. They're like, wow, you all are on that level. And what we'll say is every time we get spotlighted, we're like, who else needs the mic? Because it doesn't always need to be us for the work to come out. And so that's been like having Maya take the mic and sing the song that I recorded, fabulous. Go do it, Maya. You know, let's see what happens. And you be in a place of risk because I'm comfortable sharing it. And what am I doing now with this spaciousness, right? Is my risk listening, learning from her performance or even thinking about what's the next stage that she could be heard on? You know, it's like, it's all connected. Right, and, and that's, I guess, ultimately what leads to these kinds of Grammy nominations. But I think fundamentally, beyond the sheer talent that you guys have and what you've created in terms of a brand voice, I think you had a vision for a business model here, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think without that, and I'm, I, w I really wanna hit on that because you know, so many people get into music as a passion. They're passionate, they're, they're driven by the art, they wanna write, they wanna perform, but they forget the other half of the equation. That's why they call it music business, business. right? So talk a little bit about that in the initial beginnings of how you guys set this Certainly. up so that you, you know, created a path for yourself to success. Yeah, and I think like, honestly, the first seven years of the business, I actually consider a prototype, like really just, we did make money. I think the most we were at was like 75K annually, but as a business, I share that because it's good to know like, wow, seven years into a startup, that was what we were running with. But I think when we became like, let's make our business our art, that's when things started getting really interesting for us because we started looking at what's our unique value proposition mm -hmm. and why. And then we unpack that and have to go deeper and like, how do we really know we're reaching the people that we wanna reach? Like all these questions around marketing. Okay, so that's why you'd make that marketing choice or that's why you'd use that. All the things that are kind of the, the covers of your business, you know, when you put your release out, your product line and your marketing, they're actually, just the surface, like all of the roots of it are knowing why people want to listen to you, when they want to listen to you, where and how, and figuring out, are we on those channels? Are we showing up in the way that serves both our mission and our customers? So we're still in practice with it, honestly. I just yeah, like talking absolutely. about it. Um, that is how we built the whole model after Rush and Woke. Yeah, and turned it into a brand. Which Yeah, and we'd clearly... call, I called some of our lead customers, like uh, never forget, I called the 
San Francisco Public Library. She's like, I really want you to come out and do some shows this summer. I said, we're not doing the tour we used to do. I want to be upfront with you. We're, we're talking about um, racial justice. And she said, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what we are looking for in our programs. And I said, oh, well, that's a, we call them signals now. Like, okay, mm -hmm. that's a signal that what we know to be our path is actually also like people are ready for us at the place. Mm -hmm. What I'll say though, as a business that's model- powerful. That's powerful. Is that sometimes we, we listen so deeply, we hear things people haven't noticed yet. So when we started, so like, we thought you wanted this. We started like, touring elements I I did, but of the love. What I do now. <laughs> and we were out there like talking about our gender pronouns. And I remember it was in uh, Wolf Trap in DC. And we shared this whole concert, just embodying everything. And this parent came up to us and she said, y'all are from the future. <laughs> she said, I really like where we're going. Uh -huh. And she said, as you grow, remember to take us with you. Uh, <laughs> and it was cool because I thought, it was a whole new signal to us of like, what if we are creating for the future? And we are already there. I see a music video in that. I see a song in that. <laughs> I know, let's do it. But uh -huh. it's like really like, what is culture change? If you create something today that you're gonna release, you know, now, does it serve next year? Does it serve where you're going in two years? I don't know. It's kind of a, an artistic question more than anything. It is. You have to think about that when you're looking at a business model and you know how often do you release an album and how often do you change your messaging or mm. refocus your messaging i'm sure you guys must talk about that yeah uh -huh. yeah we do uh -huh. um one thing that we do know is that some of the things that we're talking about is going to be next year and it's going to be the year after mm -hmm. and it was 10 years before mm -hmm. we were talking about it what's important is that more people are talking about it and that we are connecting with more and more people who are actually catching those signals and understanding those messages. That's what it is. It's that scope that's getting broadened because I think what we're trying to find is like all of those points of signals that we can see. And if we can actually like tap into that, even within our country, then that might shine a light on like how hopeful that we can be, how it's not as hopeless as some of us think it is because of what's going on around the world. Yeah. So that's really why we're trying to reach. Mm -hmm. That's we're trying to reach folks to just to be out there ready for that type of signal to show that like we are bigger than the sum of what America's parts are supposed to be. Yeah, and that makes for a positive message for change ultimately that everybody needs to hear right now because whether you're a kid or not i mean this resonates with the families and music used to be such a voice of change you know think about the 60s think about the 70s and now so much of it has been corporatized mm -hmm. corporate radio and then also very niched now we've gotten into these very segmented niche marketing strategies for music. So to be able to exist across all those borders and have this kind of powerful message um, and integrate kids, you know, when, and the minute you do that, you're integrating families. Yeah. And so there's a lot of exposure that you can drive. Yeah. And so now you got a Grammy. Now we have a Grammy. So <laughs> let's just talk about the Grammy for a minute. Cause let's. I know a lot of people want to know how did that come about? Because I know, look, I'm a Grammy voter. I know I vote for Grammys and you know, we get hit up a lot. 
come Grammy season, hey, uh, by the way, project, here's yeah. my project. Would you please listen for consider? What do they call it? Uh, for your consideration. For your consideration, right? Yeah. And so we get a lot of that. And leading up to the Grammys, um, you obviously you're very conscious of that. You've been very involved with the Academy yeah. for a long time. So how important is that process of kind of marketing your product to the voters of the Grammys? Right. And And, you know, because I've always... It's always been a concern of mine, to be honest, that, you know, there's only so many voting members out there yeah. and then it becomes a matter of, you know, mathematics, right? And, yeah. Can I get enough of them, you know? Yeah, I think for us, we really anchor ourselves in our genre. Like when we started making intentional music that was culture changing, we went on tour and spoke to other members of the children's music community. Like, this is what we're doing. You you may have known us as people were jumping high on stage and singing about vegetables, but we want to talk about skin color. We actually did like almost DEI workshops with our community. And folks were like, okay, this is not what I expected from a music hang. Mm -hmm. And now they know that's just kind of how we move is like we get together, we have fun, but we always go deep on things. Mm -hmm. And I do think that helped I've us. always loved that about you. Yes, I love it. <laughs> it's true, I do. And um, it's just my heart. I just, uh -huh. I'm, more, I'm more, I always want to go below the surface. But the result of that is that we've made a network of, I don't have a number on it. It's probably a hundred plus artists who we've looked out for. Sometimes we've challenged them on the, are you really serving all people or are you serving people who look like you? You know, reminding people about like when you have an all white band, that's a signal to communities that you may not be racially conscious about like the work that you're making. Mm -hmm. It's not comfortable to talk to people like that, but we also wanted to say like, it's not helping our children if we don't talk about that. So we can still love you and respect you and remind you that some things that are happening aren't necessarily, you can even say they're not necessarily safe for everyone. Right. We did that for about six years. And I mean, sharing the music is actually been a beautiful experience for us because we've made, we've listened to a lot of records. People have been, you know, after you get nominated, people are like, hey, listen to my album. So we've listened to a lot of different genres, but I will just say this is that the voting now is only three genres. So people are like, oh, you must get everybody. Well, wait, wait, call out the genres. Which, which genres Well, you can only vote in three. Each voter can only vote in three, yeah. three genres. Oh, that's right. That's right. So mm -hmm. you can share it as much as you want, but you have no, for your mathematics, I, I wouldn't know how to run that, um, Those that formula to say, yeah. hey, so this person said they loved our album, but we have no idea whether they're going to vote, vote in, in that category. Because That's right. I, I forgot yeah. it's become so restricted now. And because so, you used to be able to vote in, I think, 12 or 14 categories. Yeah, to me, it was as like as, as many want. as I wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Like, when we've got 80 categories. Yeah. 80 and plus as, categories a, there, as somebody so. who's like serious about listening, I don't know about you, but like mm -hmm. last year, there was a year that we weren't nominated and I spent hours listening to the music mm -hmm. in our genre yeah, to the people yeah and i so love to vote for the person because that i also I thought wow for. okay so other people are doing this sonically and it's a great chance to have like a time of like professional development in your genre because oh, yeah. if you listen to like 150 records then you have a complete scope of like who's pushing the envelope who's done something kind of out of the box that's interesting or quirky like all of that and what i love about children's music i'll just say this i know i'm not even giving you the mic but it's all good. good. That's what happens sometimes <laughs> is that we are all the genres. So we're still going to face the fact that some people don't like hip hop music. I don't know why, but, <laughs> and that's okay. Like I don't, some, some types of music don't speak to me though. You'd be surprised with the three and six year old. I, I listen to everything. 
I really do. Like, right, but you've done your homework, yeah. you've done your research, you've had a chance to but I'll say to that's everybody the, out in the field. Right? I think that's that's the benefit of the Grammy uh, membership. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say that because you do get to listen to everybody. Yeah. It makes you a better musician. Yeah. And we're actually thinking about like collaborations in new ways and like, yeah, it's fun. I, just, I think it's also only because when you put yourself out there that way, the kind of people that we are is we can't just be like, yeah, I'm going to listen to your stuff. And then not do say it. that to 20 yeah. people just so that they listen to our stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does take actually like sitting down and like doing that type of work. And a lot of it is very like political in a way. I hate to say it. Political However, in terms well, of... In a way of like, sometimes you feel like you're shaking hands and kissing babies. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And like... For us, we kind of have to know a little bit about the hands we're shaking and the babies we're kissing. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that takes a little bit more work. But in that little bit more work, we've actually met so many people who are Uh like-minded, who are not even in our genre, who are ready to collaborate, who are ready to cross genre to collaborate, who are ready to like do all of these things. So in the process of us feeling like we uh, have to be political and like go out and meet people and do these things, we've actually met people. Yeah, it's like real, it's real love. (laughs) Yeah, and it's real love, you know what I mean? And so that's what's really dope about it is that the music industry so vast and it's so awesome in the way of how you create relationships and foster them and keep them and hold on to them and move them forward and like just it's a lot bigger than I thought it was being the artist that just wanted to get a manager to book me and wanted to get uh, AR to pick me Mm -hmm. and do everything for you (laughs) and do everything for me Mm -hmm. it's yeah I'm glad I'm on this side of it (laughs) there was something I was just thinking too like the nominees in our category this year were really diverse and that's important to note because we were part of a movement called Family Music Forward in 2020. All the nominees were white in our category. And this is the year 2020. Like it was a real problem and um, very painful. And some people George really- Floyd yeah, was that year. <laughs> yeah. And some of the artists in our genre dropped their nominations, Alistair Mook, the Okie Dokie Brothers, and I think it's called Dog on Fleas, right? Yeah. And they all dropped their nominations and said, we want to support black artists in children's music and we will not receive this. That is really beyond allyship. That's like sacrificing privilege and opportunity for the betterment of the genre and the future of the Grammy Award. I just wanted to say that because we're talking about the joy of listening to music, but these folks, they also had like, it's not that their albums weren't worthy. It's just that, it wasn't fair to see yeah. nobody heard except for white guys with guitars, you know, and white women with guitars. Yeah. This year, the artists were, there's a blues album that it's like legacy work hmm. for the genre, you know? We were on the red carpet or after the Grammys and one of our competitors, let's call it, said to my husband, you know, this is the weird part about this is that we are all here f- to make music for young people and yet, in this brief period of time, we're considered competitors. Mm-hmm. We're not competing against each other. Yeah, We can't, mm-hmm. we have different business models. In this moment, we're just kind of like in a little carnival ride of like which one goes to the top, you know? 
Well, that's kind yeah. of the issue with these uh, awards, right? yeah. isn't it? it? It just sure. it creates this sense, but it's very you know everybody wants to be the best. Every you know I think it's natural. It's also very fundamental to our capitalist nature, yeah. in a way, you know. And there's an element to that that creates competition. And you know, speaking of capitalism, you know, how has this influenced your yeah. earnings? Have your streams gone up? Have you seen more sales? Are you getting more bookings? I mean, how do you how does yeah. this feel like? Does it's it feel like it's had an impact? It's a slow rev up. It's, it's, yeah. it's a slow rev up. Yeah, what uh -huh. I think will happen is that the people will find the date if they don't have the date because mm -hmm. they want to work with a mm -hmm. Grammy-winning ensemble. Um, in terms of bookings and In touring. terms of bookings, yeah. yeah. And then also for us, it is an opportunity to do what we really have been planning to do, which is make our work a TV show. And I probably oh, told you about yeah. that many, yeah. many years ago. You did. That's and you know, amazing. every yeah. time we tried to do it, like we did a Kickstarter, remember Kickstarter? Oh gosh. Made a web series. <laughs> and then honestly, we didn't have all the team together. We didn't have the tools. And now we have everything. Creativity, the series Bible, <laughs> like all of it, <laughs> it's all done. So uh -huh. now we just get to play. And I think that the Grammy acknowledgement will open doors for us. And at the same time, when we open doors, we keep them open because yes. we are not doing this just for ourselves. We are a community. Yeah. So everything we learn, we pass on. How many hours have you spent mentoring the last two weeks? So many. <laughs> Yesterday, I spent half the day talking to people on the phone. What do you need in your business? What's When's your album coming out? Like whatever it is, you know, in our genre, we have specific things you can play with, right? Like how do I get a booking at a library? I mean, it doesn't matter where you are at in the trajectory of your business, like we share what we learn. That's so powerful. And, you know, it, it leads me to wonder, between the two of you, how do you divide the responsibilities, right? So you are the creators of this enterprise, Alphabet Rockers, and you've created an awesome business platform for yourselves. How do you work together to kind of divide the responsibilities and manage your team? Because obviously, you know, I've, I've seen you've got quite a team. You've got a lot of people involved, aside from the kids, yeah. to yeah. make this possible, right? I think we recognize each other's natural skills and kind of gravitate towards those. And then there's a whole cadre of things that we don't know that either we learn about or we make a decision to hire someone mm -hmm. to help us know about it. One thing we never do is if we don't know about something, we don't just hire someone to do it. We have to take the step of learning it first. <laughs> wow. Can yeah. I just put an exclamation point on that, please? Yeah. That's so important, right? I mean, I've known, I've been running my own business for almost 30 years. And I can tell you one of the first things one of my early mentors said, he said, you can't just hire somebody to do it for you until you know what it, what is. it is you're hiring them to do. Yeah. And yeah. that's important. I mean, yeah. and as a small business, there's a, like, I spent the morning like reconciling a tour. It's not like, the things that I learned in 2008 are totally in someone else's desk. I think as business owners, we need to be responsible for where the money streams are coming from so that when we make collective choices about where we're going, we can handle our business. Like you can't, mm -hmm. it's not all, well, I feel like doing this. And what I will say is that we co-run the business. If Tommy goes off and produces an entire song all weekend, we did it together. If I spend three yeah. days writing a grant, we did it together. And if there's ever an issue where I feel like, hey, I need you, we just tell each other. So it's not, there's no animosity of like, you. I'm working harder than you. We don't put labels on that. There was one time in the pandemic, I said, are you getting enough rest? He said, you know, I'm working every day and I'm not working every day. It was like one of those things where I'm like, great, 
you're doing what you need to be doing right now. But it's like just permission to take care of yourself. Like uh-huh. we have trust that this is a long career. And if I need something else, sometimes I'll be like, can you just sit next to me? I'm doing a hard task. I don't want to be alone. I'll be honest with it. Cause sometimes you're taking some, I don't know what I'm doing or I don't have courage. He's like, you got a kid. So you always say to me, like he's from Boston too. <laughs> yeah. And so then what about, the kids in the group, how do they connect to the business? What's their relationship? Yeah. Uh, I would say that right now we're just showing them like what the business should be like. Mm-hmm. We're getting them set up with all of the things we, they got their ass capped. They sound are, exchange, the sound exchange registered. They the bank are, accounts for they got, children. Yeah. Talent. They got their Coogan accounts all set up. And what's really important to us is that they don't know what it is to do work for free. Like that's my biggest Thing yeah. to pass on my son personally but to the whole youth in the alphabet rockers crew someone asked them to do something they're like hey can you come do this thing and they're like yeah how much you know like because they know that their artistry has worth right they value they, their yeah, time they value their time mm-hmm. and so they don't know anything about as artists doing work for free or for exposure they don't know what that's about because they know that they're worth more than that already which is something that took us a long time to actually do. Like that's called quitting your day job. Like right. to us, <laughs> you and, know what I mean? Yeah. So like our activities right now, like we got a, a grant from the creative work fund to work with youth beat, which is a, a video production studio in Oakland. You would love their model because they're an apprenticeship program for high school and uh, young adults, very talented young people. Um, so we got the money to basically hire them to do what they know how to do, which is, support young people in making great films. And we got the money for our young people to envision a music video for their songs from the album. And so now they're learning what we do with our video producers. When you envision a a film, how do you articulate, that doesn't work for me, I like this. They're gonna see what it means to storyboard and all the things, we we don't always show them that stuff because it's not always their business actually. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're players in each other's, you know, shows. But when we can put them at the center and they have the drive, uh, you know, they've got the driving wheel, we want to make sure they know all the directions and they have choices. So that's what we're about. So you're giving them choice. You're empowering yes, them absolutely. with choice. Um, and are they employed by Alphabet Rockers then at that point? Or are they? Everyone's like, independent yes. contractors. Yeah. yeah. They just get, they get their Coogan accounts and uh-huh. get funded and uh-huh. um, their moms and, and dads support. And, um, you know, we, we're supporting the whole we're a giant family and uh, And we also oh i was gonna say and we also like there's that caveat of like if you ever feel like you've grown out of it Uh then it's okay it it doesn't have to be a big deal like you just gotta like be yourself at which point do you you, do you see a time where you would have auditions for new alphabet we're working with a bunch of uh third graders and fourth graders in oakland right now it's called the movement in action and um we're giving them the opportunity to learn songwriting with us and we don't we don't need them to do anything more than just be with us. And like, it's just really fun to see like children that we knew when they were in preschool, mm. just as you know, the humans they are They're Some people are our are, are friends, kids, you know, and they're in there writing music, expressing themselves and evolving with us. That's enough. We don't, we don't need to put it people into a, um, like a box. 
that's just it. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I got put into a box when I, I think I was in the sixth grade. I auditioned for uh, the Boston Educational Group, did a thing called Super Kids. Uh-huh. And uh, a bunch of us got uh, auditioned and I was chosen to sing. And, and that was actually my first recording studio experience cool. to represent the letter I. And it was an educational, kids-based educational group. Mm -hmm. And they had, a, you know, writers that came in and wrote it. And we were just the voices. We didn't, they didn't integrate us at all. There was no level mm -hmm. of awareness that you're bringing to this that is so empowering for the youth to understand that right. they have an ability to be their own you know, business-minded individual yeah. and understand that they're in an industry. I mean, I knew that this was a business, but they didn't show me at all. At, at, when I was in sixth grade, I was just like, yeah, get on the mic, kid, and sing. You know, here's your here's your lyrics, and yeah. here you go, you know? That's right. a very different, very and different And sometimes, approach. you know, gigs are like that, too, oh, as yeah, a grown-up, too. So yeah. it's just like having a, a producer on set that's like, today, this is what we're going to do, but as you move through things, you can have choice. And, you know, that's like, it's not a youth-centered model that you were walking into. Though you did get to be letter I, which is kind of like an underrepresented letter. So I feel like you kind of got to flex, you know. Ickety. Ickety? Ickety, ickety, ickety split. Ice cream. <laughs> ickety split. Ickety Ooh. split, that was it. So, hey, let, we got, uh, We I, want, I definitely want to get through a few more tracks here today. Let's. I know we want to check a video towards the end because that's super important. I want to show the restorative justice video from this awesome Grammy winning album, The Movement. Uh, but let's check out this track. It's called We Feel It, right? Yes. So it's called We Feel It. Yes. Yeah, Talk this song is really for um, people to know that it's okay to step back and take care of themselves right now. Okay, yeah. I know that it is hard to move. We are here to carry you. Take time out, rest up, slow down, check up, boundaries, protect them. Feel it, we got you. You don't gotta try to smile. Not for anyone but you this time. Your voice is important. Shut out the noise and let go of the things that aren't working. It's worth it. Loving yourself is a way to show up. You have the colors and that is enough. Asking for help, ain't giving up. Oh. Love yourself.
production on this is phenomenal. Yeah. And Thanks. your vocals are really phenomenal. Thank you, Greg. So impressive. I mean, it's really, there's a reason you guys won this Grammy. <laughs> it's pretty obvious here. Thank you. Yeah, that this one's, is, uh, this, is, this is Kevin and Jeff McCann. Yeah. Who've been our production partners for, since 2015. Uh-huh. And they gave us this track. Yeah. And, uh-huh. um, we met them in that incubator. We're talking about Zoo Labs. At Zoo Labs. Uh-huh. Yep. They it was were... mixed by uh, Reto Peter. Uh-huh. Yes, Reto. Yeah. And who produced the vocals? Did he produce that? On Kevin. The... And uh-huh. we actually produced together. But yeah, yeah he. Did song... you guys write the lyrics together on this yes. as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's phenomenal. And yeah. uh, the... I know we say we we wrote we say we wrote solo songs on the album, and yeah. then we commenced to write them together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like REM. <laughs> 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 well, it's you know, it's a message. It's powerful. It's well produced, um, and ultimately, it seems to be the thread that you guys are weaving here. Yeah, you know, throughout what you're doing as as a project and um, as an enterprise, it's it's very impressive. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, once again, it's like the music. The music should have as much attention as the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us and that to us is a hip hop aesthetic like it's gotta be dope mm-hmm. like like we just the other day we were we were talking about some program we were doing and we we're like okay let's just do it this way and then the next day I was like man we're too dope for that we gotta do it this way yeah. I was like, <laughs> you gotta level up level up I was like nah man we gotta okay. actually like not do that we gotta do this you know uh, and that's just a, a, a level of, of a standard yeah. that that we actually hold for, uh, secretly or in the back of our whatever's held like a standard that we held and now it's like in the forefront of like it's got to be that standard first mm-hmm. before we do anything more mm-hmm. i feel like this song like pink could sing this song i yeah, pink beyonce yeah i mean i just feel like yeah the, it's, it's so yeah. so honestly if you're listening to this podcast right now uh-huh. and you don't have headphones on to scroll it back because i haven't listened to it in headphones in a little while uh-huh. and it gives you all the feels like yeah just the pop and the like, the smacks and the wah, 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 everything wah, 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 is just like, and then it's just the like washing drum over. Fills. Yeah, they don't. That's just it's it's great. So when you say they gave you this track, just no, elaborate. they were like, what okay, so we have how, a whole. How did, how did that work? We have a whole team of producers now, uh-huh. so they're like setting us up with folders. Like, consider us this as one. co-writers. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and so this was one of those songs that yeah they sent our way, and we were all ooh, what are we going to do with so it? They so they sent you the instrumental? Like they sent this? us a version of the a instrumental version, yeah. and then we shaped the song over, you know, uh-huh. hey, let's take this in the Brit. Like, yeah. you know, as we start to, you could say, oh, we came in as top line writers, but then this friend right here is a mega arranger. Mm-hmm. So like we might write something and be like, actually. Mega, th- I like that. Mega. That's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep Sorry, going with that it reminds thought. me of Sega. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah. And so he might shift everything around. He'll be like, all right, send me the stems. Like, he'll just always be at a session. Be like, all right, let me just send me the stems. I don't want to mess with it. And you never know. So it's like, I haven't gone back to the first demos of that. <laughs> but I do remember the day I came into the studio. I don't know why. I mean, it was our, at my house. I must have gone to get everyone coffees. So I was like, I got something for the record. Just play record. <laughs> yeah. And then I just like the outro, which we talked over today, but it's like just wailing. Uh-huh. And I was like, what do y'all think? And they're all, Yep. So, yeah, you don't have to do that one again. That was cool. That was it. And it, yeah, because we know each other so well, it's not like, you know what? That was a really good take. We want to keep that. It was just like, cool. What's next? Yeah, and it's really cool because we, uh, even with the young folks, like 
we uh we sat in the room and listened to music together like listen to these folders of these different folks that were sending us stuff and even when they were selecting the music for their solo songs mm -hmm. like they were like ooh i'm feeling that one so next thing you know the mp3 is being emailed to them and they're like okay now what are we going to do with this you know and that song slide you played in the beginning it started off with a completely different beat yeah and Interesting. I, yeah, I see, wrote it's it it's always cool to see how these things evolve. i wrote it and i was like this is I, I was like and i was about to actually like sing it to them in the studio like this is what i want to do with my song uh -huh. da, da, da. and then another producer sent in a beat and i was like wait this is no, crazy that's it that's that's it that's the beat he and, did it in like one take that day uh, yeah as like hey what do y'all think about this and i was all Whoa. Yeah. I was I mean, literally about to be like, what do y'all think about this to this beat? And then I heard the other one. I was like, no, hit record. That was slide. No, like, yes. Yeah, that was slide. slide happened. I, I mean, like, <laughs> that is another one. He just cooked it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we always have to like, like lyrically, he'd already like, you know, written all of the verses. And then it's like, okay, where are we going? Because we have to sit once again with our audience and say, okay, we just lace them with critical race theory and practice. That's what his song's about, even though it feels all easy breezy, you know, if you really unpack it. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, what is that really about? It's always been here. So when you listen to the chorus and it says, we brought the love, you know, to carry on, that's what this critical thinking is. It's like just really holding truth as like, I, your truth is important and I love you. And so that's why I will stand with you. That's, it's all the same business that we've been talking about since we were writing it in 2018, but with just a different little tune and something that speaks to us right now. So yeah, production, energy. Pretty awesome. Well, I love that, Tommy, you got the production chops too. You can take stems and chop them up and kind of reorient a track. What do you What do you like to use? What kind of, what, D -I -D -I -W? I usually use Ableton. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh -huh. and I'm a beatboxer too. So uh -huh. like, I don't know, I do that dumb thing of like, bringing things into my looper and shooting them out of the looper, which is kind of- well, well, that's not dumb. Why, why, do, you, why do you say that's dumb? Because <laughs> you should just shoot it you to the- just you know go right I mean? in, but he likes like to- uh, uh -huh. the middle, the okay. middle thing, the okay. middle thing. You mean I, like a hardware looper? You uh, saying, yeah, like uh -huh. I, I, I make a lot of okay. like, you know, sometimes I'll bring them in and like try to beatbox to them and uh -huh. then send them back out. Okay. Uh, but that's your flow. You well, know? yeah, uh -huh. yeah, that's my flow. But uh -huh. I remember for the first two albums, uh, Rise, Shine, Woke, and The Love, Christmas time was like, I was like, I'm, yep. I think I'm, I was like, I think I'm going to do something with this stuff on Christmas time. And so I would always have a track and I just spend all this time doing this demo of like, ah, huh. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And then we come back at New Year's. And I'm like, yo, uh -huh. check this out. Uh -huh. Yeah. So yeah, it was usually like Christmas time. I'm always like, just give me the stuff and let me like mess around with it, you know. And slide, he did that over Christmas, <laughs> yeah. and I was all, "Yay, friend!" And what was I doing? Not that dealing with two babies at home. I was like, "Good job, business partner." See what I mean? And there's no, he's not like, "What were you doing?" He's like, "Great, I'm glad you got rest. Let's yep, go, let's go." <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's a true partnership. Yeah, that's that's, for that, sure. that's real partnership there. So now we get, we got a video too. I want to show. So talk about this before we show the video. This is called Restorative Justice. This is a powerful piece here. Yeah, this it's, is like really the root of the album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, restorative justice is a practice mm -hmm. uh, from long, long ago from tribes of many, many uh, uh, what do you call it? Demographics. Mm -hmm. uh, just a way of solving problems uh, without punishment through understanding, through listening, and through 
forgiveness um, and through truth, like 100% truth. Uh, it's a practice that's being implemented into schools at the moment when there's conflict, when they talk about conflict resolution. They're trying to solve things through restorative justice practices. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a thing that like everybody's really holding on to that's like trying not to make it like woke. <laughs> that are like really trying to like have its real chance because once woke became a thing, it just became a thing. It just became like a meme as opposed to a real. Yeah, and it became a means for people to to doubt it or to make jokes about it and things like that. So restorative justice is a is a real practice that where you sit in a circle and you tell your truth and everybody gets to speak. And it it derives from that notion of of healing, of being healed. Um, I'll, I'll pass it because I know you have more to say on it. Well, I was going to say in this in the video, you'll see um, our youth rockers and their friends at OSA. And the circle we did was thinking about the future. So we didn't have a conflict to resolve, but being in circle is a practice. So listening, everyone has a voice. Um, and so we were doing future building with them and it was just a really special day. And the song reflects our conversations with the restorative justice practitioners in Oakland um, who are in leading schools. Um, and I will say that there are people who are doing this without its roots and there's problems there. Mm, so you really right. have to do the full inventory of compassion and it's it requires slowing down. It requires noticing and holding one another accountable. And I know that we are coming from that place of mm-hmm. like the opportunity is here for us to not punish our children who are children, they are learning. And as adults, what are we doing in our lives that need we need to be accountable for that are creating the conditions for the children? Yeah, and there's, there's the That's other thing, <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to say was something you you touched upon a second ago is that like when you're in a restorative position, it doesn't always have to be about a conflict. Like we, there's a circle for positivity is a circle, the circle is for all of those things, not just for like solving conflicts. Um, and that's something we learned about restorative justice in the process of learning about it. Like we always thought it was about conflict resolution and a safe way and a healing way to conf- to to heal, a safe way to heal. But we realize it's a practice and you're doing it when you're, when you have a conflict and when you don't and everywhere in between you know, which is beautiful. That's that's also connected to hip hop in the way that we get into a circle. We get into what we call ciphers. Mm-hmm. We get into dance ciphers and we reflect on our day through our moves or through our raps or through our beatboxes and all of that stuff. Like it's, it's, a, it's a very easy connection to make. That's so awesome. I'm loving all of this. Just really am. This is great. So let's check it out. This is... See what we got here. This is restorative justice. Yeah. Let's see if I can get this one to play right now. Here In we order go. to heal our ancestors, we have to dream our future. So I think the next thing we want to do is like make some like future building art together. So um, we're going to be thinking about this future uh, in more detail. If uh, you like to draw, then draw something. If you want to write some bars, write some bars. Uh, but it's going to be an art activity, like a visual art activity. All right, so we're going to pull out these things um, and just vibe. Yeah? Yes.
First things first, I show up, ready to be in circle. Here to actively listen and be openly verbal. This type of cipher that serves like a meal. We're here to solve problems and hopefully heal. I start by telling the group a little <coughs> bit about me. I want to get to know you, curiosity is mounting. We're here to build trust so we can speak facts. A heartfelt response for the best impact, see? The circle is a space to grow. Connecting us to a collective glow. Candles get lit, reflect the light. together to hear every person's side of the story so you're up next all right past the object it's my turn to speak to share what's on my heart and the truth we seek i hope they understand where i'm coming from what harm was caused what can be done we can't move forward till we take the pause examine all the hurt we might have caused when it's your turn can't promise i'll agree but maybe there's perspective that i did not see the is a space to grow, connecting us to a collective glow. Candles get lit, reflect the light, illuminating how we're here to do right. Where are we left without respect? A little bit of honesty, that restorative justice. Where are we left without healing? A little bit of empathy, that restorative justice. Where are we left without love? A little bit of courage and care, that trust is there. Where are we left without truth? And facing it whenever it confronts us. Other out, we're owning up to our parts. Healing doesn't end here. This is a start. How we hold this defines us as we leave and take care. We're in this together like our ancestors' prayer. We're leaving here today with community tactics. And Arja is a constant and continuous practice. We restore fairness. We make peace. We are community. Find the relief. The circle is a space to grow. Connecting us to a collective glow. Candles get lit. Reflect the light. Illuminating how we're here to do right. Take a second breath, here we go. Now close your eyes and we're gonna to clap together. No count, here we go. You guys feeling are so awesome. I thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and, do, and do this conversation. Um, it's been educational for me, and I'm sure it's going to be even more so for everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, I feel honored to, uh, you know, to know you and to have you here in the studio. And I can't wait to hear what you guys come up with next. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, if people want to find out more about Alphabet Rockers, you want to just give a shout yes, out? Yes, definitely. Where, where Alphabet Rockers, just as it's spelled on all the platforms, mm -hmm. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and the website has resources right there for you too. 
Fantastic. So. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Mentor My Mix podcast. Mentor My Mix. Remember, if you have a guest suggestion or want to contact me for any reason, we have a contact form on the Mentor My Mix website. That's mentormymix.com. Or feel free to email me at greg at mentormymix.com. Special thanks to Quinn Grodzins for the theme music and audio editing, Josh Valdez and Sean McKenna for audio and video production, and Clarice Joubert for video editing and post-production. 